Welcome to the Texas Oil and Gas Podcast, the show dedicated to bring you the news from the oil patch deep in the heart of Texas, with your host, Ryan Ray and Josh Shelton. And we're back with the Texas Oil and Gas Podcast. This is episode 161. I'm your host, Josh Shelton, my friend and co-host, Ryan Ray. Ryan, I think we got another five-star review in. It had a bit of a roast in it. Uh, interesting news coming out this week from several different sectors. How are things going on your end? Um, well, have you heard about this COVID thing, Josh? What's it called? COVID-19 or coronavirus or something like that. Have you heard about it? It's, it's, it's not really making a lot of news. I don't know if you've heard about it or not. No, I only follow Trump and uh, he calls it the Wuhan. That's all I know about. <laughs> oh my gracious. Did you see? <laughs> he called it the Kung Flu at his, at his <laughs> rally in Tulsa. I I, I, let me rephrase. I haven't, I haven't seen the quote. I just saw like the media crucifying him for calling it the Kung Flu. So I don't know what the I don't know what the, the context was. I mean, I'm assuming he said it, but you know, I, I haven't actually watched the clip. Um, mm. And so, yeah, he, um, he's going all in on, on, <laughs> on it, but yes, we do have a five-star review. Um, J dub J W 82 H it's an hour long brain fart. LOL. Good job guys. Lots of knowledge. Keep up the good work. And that brings us to 278. Gosh, so 278 minus 2020 brings us to 1742. Do you know what happened in 1742, Nathan? You are the history buff here. Uh, George Washington turns 10. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Not what I was going for. I was going for the Convention of Turin. The Convention of Turin was a 1742 agreement between Austria and Sardinia, signed in the Sardinia capital of Turin. It created mil- a military alliance between the states, directly uh, prince, uh, print, directed princely against Spain. So there you go. There's your history lesson. Um, and Josh, you know, roast month is ending here on July 15th, but there is talk about extending the tax deadline to September 15th. So we might actually have some more time for some roasts, but, uh, but we shall see, um, you know, if they're going to push it back or not, they'll have to make that decision here, I guess. What, two, two weeks, three weeks, something like that. Let's see here. Uh, yeah, two, two and a half weeks. So they might push it back, might not. So anyways, if they don't push it back July 15th, I think it was our, end of the roast month deadline, right? Yeah. If you roast us, we'll roast you back after that. <laughs> All right. Articles. Uh, first one is great compression expected to transform shell industry. Uh, this article references Deloitte and it calls the impact of the coronavirus the great compression. And it's calling on energy companies to respond, recover, thrive, and to adjust to this market. We've been talking about this for a while, get lean and mean, uh, figure out ways you can capitalize on opportunities, more efficiency, um, innovate with data and technology. Uh, so Deloitte is, is calling for this and, and they're looking for uh, different opportunities to, to see how the, the oil and gas industry can thrive during this time. So uh, interesting article uh, overall. Um, lots of, lots of stuff we can, we can kind of, highlight in it uh, but it's, it's a good article you got to check it out yeah i don't know um you know i know we got this kind of the roundup but you know we got uh, uh chesapeake's filing for uh bankruptcy protection and you know obviously when the price goes down it's going to incentivize companies to figure out cheaper ways to do things and the reality here is going to be is how long does the price stay down for you know and i say down it's at what 38 this morning i think yeah 39 right now um, so does it stay down for 
you know, six more months, a year, two years, or three weeks. All those things have different ramifications because the sooner it comes back, the less incentivized you are to, um, you know, formulate a great compression. And so I think this is kind of the, the, um, the thing. And the other thing is, is to figure out the great compression costs money, right? So if you want to bring in a new technology to, you know, to do this, that, or the other, well, it's, it's not like buying up, you know, uh, QuickBooks, you know, you're talking about these companies have a lot of operations and they have a lot of equipment and you're linking all stuff together. So that, that actually costs money to then save money. Well, if you're not going to be drilling anytime soon, um, the amount that you might want to spend on, uh, on your savings in the future might be um, lower than normal. So, so you see, there's a, I, I think there's just several things that are at play here. Now, if you remember, was it last week we had the hedging guy on that last week? Yeah. Yeah. So the hedging, so I think that might be interesting is that, if you get to a point to where a lot of these companies are hedging and they're, so they're, so they have a hedge, so they have a target money, uh, target, uh, target revenue, they're, they're, they're going to get to. Um, and then they're, sound, they're trying to continue to improve their efficiencies. They kind of, it might can balance out this a little bit, but if you're not going to be drilling a lot um, and your revenue is going to go down, I don't know how much you really are going to invest in new technology compared to cutting expenses. Right. And so I think that's going to be the, that's kind of, that's kind of the both sides of that coin there. It's kind of hard to say, well, um, you know, you might say we're going to get rid of Josh and then we're going to have uh, Nate do Josh's job, Ryan's job and Bob's job. Okay. Well, then you might say, well, now that Nate's overloaded, we want to bring in some technology. And if it's a QuickBooks type application, something simple, then that's fine. But if something's complex that we'll have to go through the whole server and, you know, connect parts all over the place, well, it might cost a couple hundred thousand dollars just to kind of get that implemented plus training. So I think those are kind of, those are the decisions that will be had to made, uh, be made over the next few months and you know, rest of the year or whatever, and discuss as these companies try to figure out, um, you know, what, what's, how do you cut a job or what jobs do you cut? And then how do you bring in technology to, uh, make it cheaper. And then as prices come back up, I think that's when you'll start to see, you know, do we hire back Josh or Ryan or do we spend that couple hundred thousand dollars um, to keep Nate um, fully employed, but we use technology to kind of prevent us having to hire back more people because that might save us money in, in the long run. Well, there's a couple of unique things that the, the guy from Deloitte mentions. Um, he, he, he notes the uh, EIA prediction that uh, I say prediction this is halfway true by now. The oil production is expected to drop by 2 million barrels a day this year. Um, and then he, he goes on to talk about uh, a typical oil price change impact shell production with a lag of three to six months. But the current environment's a lot different because uh, all the companies started shutting down so quickly um, because they realized the situation. So it wasn't a three to six month lag. And he's uh, he goes on to say that typically during an old cyclical downturn, um, it, that the the lag time is different because what he note what he noted the great compression is that there's just limited room for operators to maneuver um, with oil below break even prices debt loads reduced demand and capital constraints and so um, I mean the companies like we talked about many times the companies that were used to grow at any any cost model that's kind of come to an end and they were being forced to work with a certain amount of financial discipline. Well, now add to that financial discipline and that extra pressure to keep cash flowing uh, the COVID and you have a interesting situation uh, for a lot of these companies. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, the other thing that makes it worse is what was it three weeks ago when the protests started breaking out and you thought maybe that might be the moment where the country just says, okay, open back up. Yeah. We're going to open back up. Protests are going on. You know what? We're going back up. 
And there's been whatever you want to say about the numbers and the media and all that aside, there's definitely been a tempering of that feeling around the country. And so, um, and so, you know, you're sitting here now on June 29th going, okay, well, maybe we're not going to open back up. And, you know, if we don't open back up fully, at least in Texas, um, you know, I think Tarrant County's got a mask order in place until August 3rd. Is that right? August 3rd. Mm-hmm. Um, so Houston, I'm not sure what's going on as far as their mask and, uh, but I know that Abbott shut down bars, right? Bars in some restaurants or is it just bars? I mean, 50% of restaurants shut down okay. bars. Well, okay. So 50% of the restaurants, that's going to end. Um, if you're a restaurant and you get the PPP money, I was just listening to a guy this morning talk about it. So if you're a restaurant who's an inside dining only, so you have no patio uh, and you're at 50% again, you might, this might just be the one that just puts you on out of business, right? Because 50% capacity for a restaurant is, uh, you know, that's not what they're, that's not, that's not, the, that's not what they're looking for. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's not the business model for it's seven o'clock model. Friday night. Right. You know, exactly. And so, um, so whether, again, whether you're pro shutdown, anti shutdown, whatever, it doesn't really matter. It's just, this is a practical reality that you might begin to see, um, people losing jobs again, uh, restaurants going out of business. Of course that impacts other people. Um, you know, the mortgage companies, or the landlord companies. And so food all companies. of that, huh? Food companies that are selling yeah, their food right. to the restaurants. So yes. All of that then gets back into what we're worried about, which is uh, demand for oil. We need a vibrant economy to get the oil demand back up. Um, and so if you have companies that are going out of business and people losing jobs, that's just going to hurt the, uh, the economy. And then, and, you know, eventually will hurt the price of oil or sooner rather later. So it's, I think it's, it, you, you we're at a spot now and we said, what was it back in early June? We're caught, we're optimistic from the standpoint of, um, people are at least now talking about $50 oil. We didn't get that before, but we said we had to, we had to at least get through July, right? At least get through July. And we're not even through July and we're sitting there going, okay. We ain't even in July yet. <laughs> we ain't even in July yet. And we're going, okay, Uh-oh. here we go. Uh-oh. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> here we go. And so, yeah. I, you know, I didn't, you know, anyway, go ahead. Well, the next, the next thing, the next glimmer of hope would be, uh, and when I say glimmer of hope, I'm talking strictly from an oil price perspective. Yeah. Uh, stimulus, is, stimulus money is about to end, I think, in four weeks. So, the people that are normally going to be making in Texas, making you know, four hundred a week, three hundred fifty a week, uh, they're they're actually making nine fifty to a thousand a week right now because mm. of the stimulus additional uh, money in the in the in the checks, um, and that drops to three fifty, and now these people can't feed their families, and job market's hard to get a job, and um, I think I think at that point there might be a little bit more blowback. Right now, a lot of people are appeased. Uh, but it is, it, it, there's a reckoning coming and I, I, I hate to be the, the, you know, the, the new speaker on here, but, um, <laughs> there's a reckoning coming and when all this stimulus stops, there's going to be some economic pain that we're not feeling yet. We've, well, we've kicked that ball down the road just a little bit. We've kicked the ball down the road. There, there might do some more stimulus, but yeah. you're right. Is that, you know, so this morning Delta is talking about laying off, uh, or furloughing 2,500 pilots. So what's the average plane is going to take at least two pilots, right? I guess the bigger ones, they take three. I don't know what, I don't, I don't know what would point you get to three or four, like those international ones, they have like six dudes on there or whatever. But uh, if you're flying from, you know, DFW to Atlanta, that's a two pilot job, right? Most, most planes are taking two plane, uh, two pilots. So you're talking about, if you just do that rough math, you know, you're talking what 1,250 planes are potentially going off the market, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, yep. it could be a thousand. I don't, I don't know what I'm saying, but you know, um, 
I don't know how those numbers actually just it's possible just kind of going, well, you know, 250 violence divided by two. That's how many planes are going to shut down. I, I don't know, but um, you know, there's a lot, that's a long way to go to get back to those flights. And even right now, um, the potential for flying is not there because you're looking at, you can't fly here. You can't fly there. Those flights aren't open to back up. So you're right. We have kicked it down the road. Uh, we might kick it down the road some more. Um, and then, but there will be a point to where if it doesn't turn over, you're going to have a tsunami of things that are going to coalesce all at once. And it's going to be like, Oh my gracious. And that should be the concern is that you're sitting there going, um, we, we've kicked this thing, kicked this thing, kicked this thing. And we get here and then it's, um, it's just not possible to even get our head around what's happening. So we've, you know, so if, if you're pro shutdown, uh, oh, okay. If you're anti shutdown, okay. That but, but there's just practical realities here. Unless the federal government is going to, keep pumping money and give it to the, to the citizens, um, not to the companies, because, you know, that's, this is what's going to have to happen at some point if you're unemployed. Um, then we're, we're going to be in, 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 uh, in a demand and even worse demand spot. So anyways, I don't know what's going to happen on all that, Josh, but I do think that it is concerning that we're sitting here um, on June 29th and we're not looking at OPEC anymore. We're, we're back to looking at the dang economy open back up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> We thought, well, maybe OPEC might give it to us and increase production or something like that. And that, may, this, that still might happen, but we're sitting there going, oh, okay, well, uh, we need the economy to back up. So I, I, let me just ask you this. Do you think, um, or how much longer do you think uh, that the shutdowns, government mandated or otherwise, uh, will, will work? Do you think there is a point in the next 60 to 90 days where people – we'll just say, you know what, we just, we can't do it. Or do you think the government will be able to, to kind of pacify uh, everyone by just giving them more money? Well, I think the government can definitely pacify them by giving them more money for a certain amount of time. Uh, I hope the people in government are at least sharp enough to realize that this is just setting up a catastrophe. Um, if, they're, if they're just thinking about their reelection, it's an election year, they may, they may do it until the end just so they can appease everyone and then let all the fallout happen afterward. Um, that's not what we should be doing. I can tell you that. Well, and that, and that's the thing is that, um, the conventions are end of July and August, I believe, or something like that for Trump and for Biden. So, you know, we're about to hit campaign season. And so everything is politicized now. Just imagine here in a month and a half when every day, we are, you know, they're holding whatever kind of rallies they're going to hold or stump speeches or, I mean, you're talking, you're going to talk about some serious political battles over, um, you know, can we open or not open or what opening can we do? Presuming things don't go away in the next 30 days, but I can't imagine in 30 days we're going to be sitting there going, man, remember that coronavirus thing? (laughs) I got a feeling we're still going to be debating over who did what, where, and why it was wrong at a minimum. So um, it's only going to get more, more tense. Uh, the next 30 days. And so, I, you know, it, it feels like uh, it might be harder to decipher what people want to do. Uh, not, not easier, but I don't know. Well, we have another article, MRT, rig count, just one piece of energy's economic picture. Uh, so the rig count used to give us a really good idea of what was going on in the industry. We used it a lot. Uh, rig, rig count started bumping up and you could see that was going to cause hotel prices to go up. That was going to cause oil price to, uh, that, that indicate a good solid oil price. 
Um, you could, you could measure a lot of things with the rig count. Uh, this article uh, goes in to say that what's really needed right now is there, there needs to be some sort of confidence of demand over the next six months. Um, no one has ability to measure. Everybody's uncertain. Um, I mean, do they want to invest in the oil and gas industry if they're going to do another shutdown here in the next you know, 60 days? Well, no, I don't want to invest my money in that. Uh, so th- there's a, there's a growing de- demand from the financial sector to, figure out a way to measure the oil and gas economy that's more effective than just a rig count. We need something that has some way of saying, what's it going to look like in four weeks? You know? Uh, well, remember when, when this all happened and Oz came on and said all the metrics that we've, you know, all the models are basically out the window because it's, it's so, um, everything's ups, up, upset down on its head. And this is just kind of playing out that narrative, which is you, you know, and, and if you, you couple what Anas said, what this article said, and then what uh, Pickering uh, said last week, um, you know, they're talking about what was it after they drilled 12 wells, it's one rig the next year. I can't remember the math, but it, it wasn't that much to keep production up. Okay. Well, that's just for one company, obviously uh, not for the, I mean, well, it, I guess it would work at large scale, but if you think about it from an investment standpoint on a company by company basis, but yeah. And I think that's going to be the hard thing is that you, you have, okay, well, the rig count is no longer, I mean, we want the rigs to go up for selfish reasons right now, right? <laughs> we want people to be working, uh, but it's not necessarily going to be a good indicator because th- there's no confidence in demand for the next uh, three to six months. I mean, I saw a report this morning and I haven't got to look at it that maybe there's some more shutdowns coming in China. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't even know how we get to a point to where we, um, we have confidence in much of anything until the world is open and it stays open for, you know, three to six months. And let me just qualify that three to six months past the flu season, because that's kind of the next thing. Right. And I'm not saying that coronavirus will be here, there or wherever in flu season, but I would imagine that people will be a little bit more skittish during flu season, just because of what's happened over the, the first part of 2020. I mean, would you agree with that? That maybe that, so it's possible that the coronavirus stuff could just kind of flare back up because it's cold and all that and, and during flu season and you'd have that going on. But it's also possible that just the flu season in general might get people to be more nervous or paranoid or um, cautious or whatever term you want to uh, whatever want to use. And that might impact demand for, for flu season. You might have people say, no, I don't want to come in. I don't want to come in for work for uh, flu season. I'm, 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 I'm kind of scared. Right? We're not so going to busy or part of the unknown there. I mean, just a, a heightened, a sense, a heightened sense of the sicknesses. There's a, I think the reticular activator where you get people thinking about sicknesses and, and that's all they see everywhere. So you don't know what the behavior of the common people is going to be after you do this. Uh, so that, that I, I would be more concerned with some variation of COVID coming out and, and, and that being used to scare the, the Jesus out of people, whether that be with the, the green environmental movement, the right now smog and, and all the fossil fuel um, debris and stuff is at, at you know, probably 30 year lows. Uh, so with that, I, I would be um, hesitant to, to speculate, but I, th- I think the, I think the environmental green group, they're going to be wanting to push the, the, the final nail through the, through the coffin in the oil and gas industry for good. Um, yeah, so. yeah, well, that's, yeah. I mean, you've already seen some of those articles coming out, like, listen, now's our time. This is the yeah. time we've, yeah, Canada's we've going in. Now, right. You know? And so, uh, yeah. So, and 
I, I, I think a year from now, we're going to sit back and we're going to be looking at this going, wow, we did a lot of stupid stuff or we did you know, good stuff or whatever. And you know, this, this quote unquote new normal will be a much different normal. So whatever we go through in the, in this, in the, in the wintertime, springtime, but by June 20, whatever it was, ninth next year, we're going to sit back and look at kind of how this all has rolled out and have, you know, some things we're talking about now will get right. Something will get wrong. Something we can't foresee, you know, who knows. Um, and we'll be sitting here next time, next year going, okay, well, this is, you know, this is where we're at and you know, moving forward, we're going to think about things, but for the next six months, especially with flu season upon us or not upon us, but you know, will be upon us before we know it. Um, I, I am concerned that, that there will be at least some, listen, let me put it like this. The media will be tracking flu season after the presidential election's over, I'm, I'm assuming. Right? Yeah. Right? So, um, Trump wins, Trump loses, it won't matter. At some point, they will start tracking flu season. And so, I think you might get a distraction from it um, if there is no um, you know, kind of surge in, in, in flu season. But, yeah, so I think, we, I think we get to at least next spring, next May, June, before we can kind of figure out what's going on. I hope maybe the presidential election will kind of put a lot of to rest. People will kind of get back to normal because – they, they, they feel that they have to get out and vote and kind of return back to normalcy, but maybe not. So um, another thing is going to be like Black Friday shopping. You know, will people get out in mass and go fight over a $300, $400 TV, <laughs> you know, for Black Friday shopping? I'm sure as hell going to find out. <laughs> Anybody on there, Twitter. bro? I'll find out on Twitter. <laughs> I ain't going to be there. <laughs> And so uh, there's two two articles here before we jump into the roundup. The first one, uh, not not too much here, just something I wanted to note. The Trump admin has denied most onshore drilling relief requests. Uh, so apart from the PPP, um, the onshore drilling request, relief requests have been denied. And that's coming mainly from the BLM, um, Bureau of Land Management. Uh, they have applications and stuff for royalty reductions, and they have denied most of those. Um in general, I, I don't know how much I want the Trump admin to come in and help these companies. Honestly, I think it's just going to kick again. I think it's just going to stall uh, what needs to happen. Um, I mean, these companies need to figure out how to be profitable during this time. You don't want to just kick the kick the can down the road for a couple of months. Um, I mean, what are your thoughts there, Ryan? Do you think the Trump admin should be doing more to help oil and gas companies? I don't want to. Boy, this is a tough one, right? Yeah, this is a tough one because. On some level, you have our government, which is just spending a gazillion dollars right now, um, just printing money left and right. And so, they're want, you know, the, the the private companies are wanting some royalty relief, um, and the you know the BLM's like, no, 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 we we, we good, we good. Well, the BLM needs the money, or the or the federal government needs the money, you know. So it's kind of hard to be like, well, that's it. And the other thing is, is that if you if you grant, and this is the problem with the BLM drilling. So if the BLM decides to stop allowing permits for four years on their, uh, on their property. Okay. And so that means that companies who have, you know, expected to drill on the BLM now they can't because of government mandate. Well, they may have a larger percentage of their portfolio. And so the government has kind of picked a winner or a loser, right? Um, and the same thing here is that the government might be picking a winner or a loser by granting relief or not granting relief. Um, and so it's, it's, you know, so it's like, man, it's on some level you would like for the government to be like, yeah, listen, Hey, but let's just play this out. Would you be surprised to read this headline? 
Um, Josh Shelton, EMP, after getting government relief for royalties, drills 16 extra wells <laughs> or something like that, you know, or, yeah. or whatever. Um, and so then, you know, it's like, so this is where it gets really complicated. And this is why having the government involved in this stuff is, is frustrating because, you know, there's, you know, what is the right and wrong thing here? I don't, I don't know because it's, um, it feels like no matter what you do, you're going to do the wrong thing. Because if they start renting, renting royalty relief, then, um, you know, build that. Cause yeah, and I don't know, but you can see how it works out. And, um, or, you know, Shelton gets the royalty relief. He doesn't drill any more. Uh, he doesn't drill any more wells, but he lays off a third of his staff. Right. And so maybe, he should, maybe he still need to lay off a staff if he didn't, but you just get into these big, Ruhahas over stuff. So I, I don't know. It's an interesting article and something to think about. I'm curious what the listeners think, but it's, uh, I, I don't really have a, a good answer, I'll say. I have a lot of conflicting thoughts. Well, there's another article. Um, interesting. China's Saudi oil imports surge in May to all time high. Uh, so they doubled in May from a year earlier to an all time high as refineries snapped up cheap fuel. Makes sense. They're buying oil while it's cheap. Um, their uh, storage capacity is up, I think, to 60, 61%, I think is what I saw. I'm looking 61% full. Um, they have 782 million barrels right now in, in, in storage. And uh, it also mentions that they're importing some from Russia and from the United States. I think it's, um, the amount from the U.S. is very low um, compared to the, to the other imports. But it also says they're not importing from Venezuela or Iran due to the um, I guess the tariffs and uh, the pressure that the U S is putting on uh, for that. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think we talked about it on this show. If not, you know, people were mad about China buying all that oil up and it's like, they didn't buy it. no one would have, you know, yeah. so, okay. someone, someone has to buy it. So, price goes up. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, you know, the whole China deal is, Oh, good Lord. It's yeah. That's just, I say catastrophe. It's 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 just there's a lot of saber rattling going on. To use Nate's favorite term or Nate's term at least um, with with the U.S. and Chinese and but I don't I, I genuinely don't know why unless you want the U.S. government to print money to buy it to hold it I don't know why we'd be mad at someone buying our Agreed. All right. Well, we got a couple of things for the Texas Roundup. Uh, a couple of interesting things to note. Uh, there's an article that came out. This is not going to interest too many people, but there's an article. This uh, It has a Venezuela wooed a Texas Republican to ease sanctions. Uh, so there's a guy named Pete Sessions that apparently um, was orchestrating meetings with Venezuela, Ukraine, and was trying to work out deals with Exxon. He was using his relationships with Tillerson to... Uh, structure some deals, uh, to put it mildly. So it was an interesting article, um, just to see how politicians are using, uh, their positions to, um, to navigate and, and form alliances and deals with people in the oil and gas sector. Uh, this is one of those, uh, you know, I, I think you saw it with Biden and, uh, and Ukraine and, um, his son, you know, worked for an oil and gas company over there. Uh, oil and gas is such a big thing. It's rarely uh, something that takes place just in the free market. It's, it's a lot of times uh, government dic- dictators or dictates how it's going to be used. $500,000 a year board seat job for any 
Ukraine, Russia, North Korea, China, Italy, Spain, Zimbabwe. Yeah, well, we're paying dollars, 500K a year. I'm good. Just call me up. I could do as much as Biden's son did or less. I, whatever. You just tell me. Yeah, well, Texas Oil and Gas podcast uh, hosts are exempt from any sorts of, con- uh, you know, being held to standards or anything like that. We're- <laughs> I'm a free market capitalist, which means I take checks. <laughs> That's what I, mean. I, I, I don't lie. I just take checks, you know. It's the socialists who act like they don't want the checks. I, I want the checks. Uh, so uh, just send me your checks. And uh, it can be a board seat here in the U.S. too. But, you know, I'm happy to take a $500,000 a year board seat wherever wherever uh, you know, they're being offered. Okay, so Oxy uh, is planning a junk bond sale to fund debt buyback. So, uh, you know, we all know they, they uh, acquired Anadarko. Um, I think, I guess that was last year. Was that year before last now? Uh, uh, well, the 2020 has been like a decade, so I don't know. Yeah, whatever, however long ago it was. <laughs> um, Oxy acquired them, and they had a pretty good debt load. They've been offsetting that with some sales. They're, they've, been, they've been working on getting rid of some, some key assets in different areas. Uh, what they're planning now is uh, a repurchase priority. Of, it's interesting why they, they have it set up. There's a, some good opportunities for investors to have some buybacks that will end up giving them. Um, looks like it's pretty good, pretty good dividends. So um, it's an interesting article. I want to check it out. I don't know if uh, any of our listeners has the has the cash to take advantage of an opportunity like this. I'm, I'm sure it's pretty risky as well, uh, being that they are loaded with debt. But um, for a company like them, there are some cool things they're doing. I think it has. Is it one of the things that has? Is Icon going to buy them up? That's the real question. Yeah, yeah. he might. <laughs> this is the opportunity. So as here, holders of these notes could receive between nine hundred thirty-five to a thousand dollar, thousand and seven dollars per one thousand of principal, if they meet the early deadline. It, uh, if is the key word there. The early deadline. Yeah, if, yeah. If oh, yesterday. Yeah, if, yeah, if they meet it. If they meet it. Yeah. All right. Uh, last two Sable Permian resources file for bankruptcy and Chesapeake, um, files for bankruptcy protection. So, uh, there's two, two bankruptcies. I saw another one, uh, that somewhere I, I ended up not picking it up. I was doing some searching around and, uh, I, I saw another, another bankruptcy somewhere, but that's two pretty good sized companies. Uh, it seems like Ch- Chesapeake, um, they have bankruptcy protection. So they're, they're trying to, um, they're, they're trying to find a way to get some relief uh, from their bankruptcy. Yeah, they filed, uh, they, that was announced last night that they, they're filing for, uh, for bankruptcy, which is, you know, we've, you know, it's not necessarily a, yeah, I, I don't know how they did that a couple of weeks ago. I must've drained well, it or something. It, no, I think it was being reported they're going to, uh, yeah. and it's just now they've officially, they've officially filed. I see. Uh, I yeah. See. So, um, and so they filed for, uh, um, chapter 11, I can't remember. Uh, anyways, uh, Sable's chapter 11. Let's see. Yeah, I think it was chapter 11, but yeah. So yeah, it has been talked. Yeah. Chapter 11. Um, so it has been talked about for some time. So it kind of, it, it kind of felt like it had happened already, but no, it actually hadn't happened. It's just, you know, just now, just now happening. So, um, and then Josh, you know, this week, um, that's, that's all the roundup, right? Yep, that's it. So this week is Fourth of July week. We'll be back next Monday because uh, the observance of Fourth of July is on the third on Friday. Which you know, it's interesting. Just a quick tidbit here. It is interesting that 
Fourth of July is coming. Um, we're Americans celebrated their independence from the the Brits, um, and we are <laughs> as we're sitting here today, we're having a debate over freedoms, government overreach. Um, you know, is, uh, as citizens, or should the government be able to mandate that? So I just that's kind of interesting as Fourth uh, of July approaches that we are um, not in a similar situation uh, that the that the, that the founders were, but just some of those debates are. Um, on some level, or at least being heightened um, with everything going on in our country. So anyways, hope everyone has a wonderful 4th of July. Oh, I did put out a poll on Twitter. Will WTI end the week above 40, Josh? And we had 41.4% say yes, it will end above 40. 31% said between 37 and 39. And 27.6% said 36.99 or lower. So they said in uh, July or 2020? In the week. In the week. Uh, in the week. So we'll, in the week, about 41, 41.4% said it will be above 40. So there you go, folks. And until we'll be back next week, until next time, keep climbing. Mm-hmm.